It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of The Table. Uh, This whole month, we've been talking about set lists and uh, all the aspects to creating set lists. And today, I'm joined by the mentor team. uh, And I love these conversations. Um, Let's jump into kind of introductions. Grant, why do you kick us off? Yeah, sure. My name is Grant Norsworthy. I head up a thing called More Than Music Mentor, which is providing online and on-site training for the heart and the art of worshipping musicians. I'm an Australian speaking to you from New Zealand, realizing that Maybe a lot of the people who are listening to this are in the United States, but not only from the United States. So I'm pleased to be with you. Absolutely. How about you, Joe? Uh, Joe Hornis. I uh, was the worship director at a church called Willow Creek in Chicago for about 25 years and did a couple startups after that. And uh, now I'm doing uh, coaching and mentoring for worship leaders and worship teams, uh, the Joe Hornis Worship Collective. And I'm just thrilled to be with these guys and get to learn and uh, grow from you all. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. How about you, Crystal? I'm Crystal Yates, and I live in the Dallas, Texas area. Uh, I am a worship pastor at a church called Christ Fellowship here. I've been in worship ministry over 25 years, and I just I love mentoring young women. And I'm a songer, songwriter, singer, songwriter. I was going to say a songer, singwriter. A songer, songer. Oh, <laughs> Lord. It's been a long day. For all of those things. <laughs> own, a long day. Uh, own it. All just call yourself a songer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know the drill. I do. And, I love it. Uh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> I love it. How about you, Jason? I'm Jason Harris. I'm the worship pastor at Browncroft Community Church up in New York. Uh, and there I get to serve and lead a fantastic team of staff and volunteers. And I've also um, founded and lead a internship program, equipping young adults for ministry. So it's great to be here. I love this. I love this. Uh, you guys, this is a fun group. And I'm, I'm we're going to start calling ourselves the Songer Writers. Songer, <laughs> Songer. That's, that one's not going to go away. That one's not going to, that's going to stick around for a while. I mean, Grace, like, look at me. I'm, I'm trying to fuel as we talk. Even. Yeah, it's, <laughs> is that coffee in the middle of the day for you? Oh, yes. like, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, say, so we're talking about set lists, and, like, we all do it, and we all write set lists every week, and it's kind of like, like, we all could write a set list in our sleep and then just kind of, like, make some songs flow together. But I want to talk, talk today about kind of the thoughts behind it, the intentionality, and the things that go into... Uh, writing set lists and maybe we don't even think about that or we're doing and so first question um, and I want to just kind of kick it off is what is the goal in building a set list like what in, in your mind like when we're when we're building a set list on Sunday morning or Thursday night or whenever you're whenever you're leading worship at your church like what is the goal of actually building the set list yeah go for it Grant yeah, well, it's a great question, Jason. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, I, I actually think, think of uh, sort of two goals. Uh, one is the goal of we want our congregation to worship God. We want them to show how valuable God is by 
by uh, by singing these songs through these songs. Um, but the the sort of subsidiary goal or the or the smaller goal is simply to to, to create a a soundscape where they will want to sing the songs. Mm. So I think about, I think about a soccer team, uh, and the soccer team, the typical soccer team, they want to win a championship. They want to win a World Cup, for example. And for me, that World Cup goal is um, the worship of God, to to ascribe worth to God through these songs. But that soccer team actually do a lot of fitness work and skills development and, and uh, strategizing to get the ball in the back of the net. They actually want to get the ball in the back of the net better than any other team because if they do the ball in the back of the net goal well, the World Cup will look after itself. So the ball in the back of the net goal for me is to craft a set list that warmly invites every man, woman and child in the room to engage through the song by singing it. I'm listening for their voice. Are they singing this prayer to God? Are they declaring this truth about God? Um, and so uh, that really helps me. So I'm thinking about a set list that's going to most warmly invite whoever I'm in front of. So I'll choose a different set list for a youth event. I'll choose a different set list for a for a. Uh, Pentecostal denomination. I'll choose a different set list for a, a, a different emphasis. I've got to think about who I'm leading and what sort of songs are going to engage them in this singing that is an expression of worship. I love that. I love that. Uh, P.S. I always love that you have analogies and stories to go with your thoughts. It makes the it makes it makes what you say so much clearer. I just love that. Anyway, so anyone? Yeah, well, and- I used to be a primary school teacher or elementary school teacher, and I've actually found that most church musicians are about at that level. <laughs> <laughs> so it's perfect you know i love, I love it i want to show pictures and tell stories it helps that's oh, so good uh what about you guys joe you have some thoughts on that uh, i'll jump in only because grant used one of my favorite words the word engage and he used it a couple times and um and i think singing is is one of the pathways to engaging um, but i think what god really longs for is to do what Grant just laid out, but for the, with the goal of saying our heart is to help people engage with God. I mean, I think people come to Sunday morning and whether they can say it or not, on some level, they long for a touch from God. They mm. want to hear from him. They want to talk to him. They want comfort. They need guidance. They need his grace on some level to engage with, with God on a spiritual and personal and an emotional level and singing worship and a, is a path, is a tool that we get to use to help people engage with God in a meaningful way. And I think God designed worship one of the reasons he invites us to sing is because he knew music is something that would engage more than just our minds it engages our emotions it engages our hearts it puts our hearts in a place where he can speak to us but also where we get to speak to him god longs to hear not just congregations singing songs he longs to meet with congregations that are actually speaking to him and engaging with him and as grant said so beautifully giving honor and glory to him but from their hearts and uh, i think that's one of the fun parts of of building a worship set and being a worship leader is to take people beyond singing songs to into experiences where people and god engage together amen Crystal, Jason, you guys want to add to that? Sure. Um, I, I love just remembering that, you know, to enter into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. I always, 
I like to have something that is, you know, just full straight up vertical, um, that really, really looks at him, thanks him. Any songs like that or any songs that call him holy. I just, mm. I love songs like that. Um, but I also think whenever I'm thinking about a set list, I love knowing what, um, the pastor is going to be speaking on. And if there's any way that I can put a song before he goes into his message that will help open up them to the idea he's going to be presenting. I love asking our pastor, what are you, what are you speaking on? And we yep. go through that. And so finding those songs that um, do the work in someone's heart so they can receive the message is important to me as well. That's good. Yeah, it's so good. Now, Jason, do you want to do you have something to add there? Not much else. I mean, you guys are basically saying what I would say. The one thing that I would add probably is that this is when I'm planning a, a set list, especially for my church, this is the one thing that we do together and, and really thinking about both who are, who is my church, but how do we do this together? How do we together encounter uh, the living God? How do we together come to the feet of Jesus? Um, and so, and there's some uniqueness to like, hey, we all experience Jesus or we hopefully in our own personal way, but then as we gather together and as we're planning set lists, how do we then lead the whole flock together before the feet of Christ? And um, yeah, I just think about that. I love it. Crystal, you said something that I want to sidetrack the sidetrack uh, just for a second. Um, you said like you always try and put a song right before the message that helps tie it in. What do you, what do you guys do when you get a message or a title and you just go, I can't, there's nothing here. Like there aren't songs written for this. We've all been there where you're like, I, you're talking about this. I don't even know where to go with this. What, what are you guys, what are some ways kind of like just to build a set list in that moment when you're like, I can't tie it to the message because I, there isn't a song that exists about this. What, what are your guys, some of your thoughts on that idea? Cause we've all been there and it's kind of like frustrating when you're like, I don't know how to tie this in. Yeah. Joe. Um, yeah, I remember one time we were doing a series through the Old Testament, and the topic of the message was, what is a holy war? And and I went to our pastor and said, not a lot of songs written about a holy war. <laughs> you know, what do you want to do? And uh, and his thought was, was, I learned from long ago, was, he said, then take people as far and close to the feet of Jesus as you can. Mm -hmm. And when their hearts are surrendered and yielded and amazed and in awe and in love with Christ, they'll be ready to hear whatever I have to say. Mm. And um, so that's kind of my go-to when, and if you, if you can't find a topic or a pastor can't give it to you, or he changes it to last second, then you go, you know what, and take people to the feet of Jesus as best you can, and, and they'll be ready. I love that. Yeah, I would say I would say the same thing is is just concentrating on focusing on Christ on on the Lord mm -hmm. helps. And then this might be a cool opportunity if you get the messages far out advanced to actually write something like oh, write yeah. something. If there's a song missing, um, you know, see if you can find the scriptures that he's preaching on. I mean, not every song has to time or yeah, mm -hmm. not every set list has to time the message. That's totally. not but it's good when you can, if you're talking about, you know, um, you know, repentance and finding repentance songs can be hard. There, there's not yep. a lot of them and um, they're very few. And a lot of them, I find that- Presbyterians have got a few. 
I know. Like there was, there was some a long time ago and we've actually been writing repentance songs a lot lately because it's like, Hey, we need to do this again <laughs> now more than ever. So, um, yeah, I agree with Joe. And then if you are a writer and if you have a team, um, that you really can go in the scriptures and begin, you might could write a chorus or a verse or something that does something new that lends itself to worshiping God and, and, and finding a new way to write a new song. Yeah. How often do you look for a certain topic or something and you, and you start, and you think every worship mm -hmm. song that could be written has been written. And all of a sudden you go, wait, you're telling me there's no songs about that? That's or right. No good songs anyway about that? And it is, it's a great time to keep a journal <laughs> list as a songwriter and go, somebody's got to write something about that. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's a great place to go then to go, all right, then let's, let's write something that fills that hole. That's so, we should do a songwriting episode and uh, talk. <laughs> and, and this is good. I really like this. Uh, hey, so question now, how do you guys, there are, uh, Grant, you had a thought there before I moved on? Well, yeah, I was just going to say, um, if you're talking about choosing songs, I think it's worth, like, songs that match the message, you just got to understand that for a lot of churches and, and even some senior pastors to this day might have been accustomed to having their the song selections made by someone who has got an, it's just a massive, massive repertoire of songs to choose from. Um, I actually, I love visiting different churches and seeing how they express the worth of God through songs. And I actually went to a reformed service, uh, which felt like going back 50 years, um, where there's uh, a person who can grab the big fat hymnal and choose any one of 987 songs on the, on the sermon's uh, direction. You know, the senior pastor says, I'm preaching this and I would like to choose hymn numbers 212, 517, 364, and, and whatever. And, uh, in fact, there's still quite a few churches who can operate like that. Um, so part of this trying to have songs uh, that match the sermon, I have to have a great relationship with the senior pastor mm -hmm. and, and, and invite them into the selection of songs for our repertoire. Now, let's just make a distinction here. We would use the term set list for the songs on a given Sunday service, mm -hmm. and repertoire is our our body of songs that we can choose from for the set list. And um, that, that, that repertoire in 2022, in my experience, not many church teams can have more than about 25 songs ready to go at a moment's notice. They might think they can uh, have more than that, but it's a lot more restricted than that, that, that sight reading amazing keyboardist or organist from yesteryear who can just pull anything out at the drop of a hat. Um, so, uh, I try to have a lot of songs on that repertoire that are very uh, Jesus death resurrection songs because they they will guide us pretty much to any sermon. Let's let's face it, if mm -hmm. we're in a Christian church service, the message is going to spring from this overwhelming thought that God loves us, He died for us, and He rose from the dead and offers Himself to us. So we have a lot of songs in my repertoire uh, that are about that. And they can go from there to pretty much any sermon, I would like to think. So good. Um, how, speaking so new songs, talking about new songs here. Now, how do you guys filter songs that you lead at your church? We're at a time now where, like, there are, so, there are songs coming in from a lot of places. Like, you know, we're at a lot of, like, there's a lot of songs coming in. And it's like, oh, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a good one. 
is there like a metric or a way that you guys look at new songs um, into bringing them into your church? I can talk about what we do. Um, yeah, go for it. A little bit. And so I have a leadership team uh, within. It's a volunteer team with a couple staff as well. And we just ask our team, the, the worship leaders and also the worship volunteers and then the church. Like if you have a song that's touching you, email me, share it with me. I want to know what's going on in what God's doing in your life. And so, and, and what songs uh, he are speaking to our congregation. And so we actually take that. And then a couple times a year, we'll get together and we'll kind of pare it down to 15, 20 songs. And then what we do together is we listen to those songs and kind of evaluate, talk through them. Uh, and we evaluate things on like, what's the theology? Does the theology match our church? Does it sound like our church? Like, does it actually sound like one? Can we play it? And then like with the musicians that we have, can we do, can we hear our bands playing this? And then also, can we hear our congregation singing it? Um, does it sound like Browncroft? Does it sound like something that our people would really touch their hearts, touch their minds, and that they would want to sing out to the Lord? Uh, and then, you know, is it something that's memorable? Does it have it that thing that you're going to be singing it once you hear it once or twice is it easy to learn is it catchy is it and then are you going to be singing it as you drive home as you come back next week and so there's some of the same thing there's some of the things that we kind of look for uh, in songs as we evaluate i led a song one time and my pastor pulled me aside after the service and he said don't do that song anymore he mm -hmm. said and i said why not he said it's too hard it's not hard. He says, it's too hard to sing. I said, oh, come on. It's not too hard to sing. And he goes, Joe, you're a musician. Mm -hmm. I know you can sing it. I want to know if Quig can sing it. Well, and Quig was this great guy, but he was a truck driver with a belt buckle about the size of a plate. And, and he said, I want to know, is he going to pick it up? Can mm -hmm. he sing it? I want him engaged in mm. singing, not just the people like you who are musicians and yeah. and it was always a great test after that to go you know yep is it true does it match the theology is it singable can quig sing it you know mm -hmm. something that every person can engage with and and sing and i think too uh you you said is it um is it meaningful you know i I love those songs that you're driving down the road, you're listening to worship song after worship song, and all of a sudden one hits you that makes you want to pull off the road and because it just is wrecking your heart, either with joy or, or repentance or whatever. And you go, that's the one I want to sing on Sunday. Because, because if it did that to me, it'll do, it will do that for our church as well. Awesome. Grant or... Crystal, you guys you know, have some. Uh, Grant, yeah, you're, you're at a different church every week, so you don't. Yeah, really... it's, a bit, it's, it's a little bit different for me because I'm not on staff for a particular church. I spend all my time traveling to different churches, so my my repertoire, which obviously is the source material for all my set lists, uh, I have to curate it really carefully. Which which it sounds like what what all of us on this panel will be suggesting to you, the listener, have a very carefully curated central repertoire um and i often bump into it where i'm coaching a church where they maybe have five different people who are called the worship leaders and they all choose their own songs they've all developed their own repertoires 
And it's a mess because the congregation got no idea what they're going to get every week. And it's and you can end up with an awkward situation where people are saying, well, I'm going to attend church when so-and-so is leading, but I'm not going to attend the services so-and-so is leading. You know, so it becomes horrible, you know, but I think you've got to have that central, centrally curated repertoire that all of your leaders uh, and for anyone who's responsible for choosing the song for a service, they know the central list that we're all pulling from. Um, for me, I guess this is going to sound... Oh, this is going to sound very worldly, maybe. But always, I don't think it I, is. I've always wondered that about you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so there are there are resources that are all of our fingertips that help us know. I think whether certain songs are resonating with a lot of people, because mm-hmm. yes, sometimes uh, songs are in my repertoire and in my set list that I don't really enjoy singing. To be honest. I don't, I don't find a deep connection with them spiritually even. Uh, that, that sometimes happens. Now, I like to have songs that really resonate with me musically and spiritually, but I'm actually looking about well, what is resonating with, with the mass of people. So the CCLI top 10 list and top 20 list help me with that. Um, there, if I look on YouTube and there's a new song that's come out and it's got, you know, 47 million views and it only came out last week, it's resonating with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And certainly yeah. I'm going to look at the lyric and wonder whether, the, you know, and not just wonder, but I'm going to like just dissect whether this is a healthy thing for a church congregation to be singing together. Is it pointing towards our, our best understanding of truth uh, about God? But honestly, <laughs> I mean, I used to play in bar bands in Melbourne, Australia, and uh, bar bands that played the songs that were resonating with the people got the best mm-hmm. work. <laughs> so we would look at the charts and choose the songs that people were digging. Yeah. And yes, there are other things to consider as I choose songs for my set lists and my, and my repertoire, but it is what are people wanting to sing? It's not so much about what I want to play. Like if you're in a cover band, even if you hate playing the Mark Arena, hmm. you're going to do it yeah. if it's hot right now. You know, so so and just um, like that, that song is stuck in everybody's head. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's actually now there are there definitely is a spiritual dimension to this. We've got to look at the lyric, and, and I really like. I've got songs sometimes on my repertoire that I sing, sing in these sort of churches, but not those sort of churches. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's fine. But I've always got a list of songs that have stood the test of time as well. It's not just the CCLI top mm-hmm. 10. It's not just the, 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 the songs that are getting huge plays on Spotify. They guide me, but I've got a good chunk of songs that I think are mm-hmm. timeless, timeless songs, and they're usually older. And Because I need to go to any different sort of church flavour, style, denomination, theological emphasis and go, this is my repertoire, What's going to connect with your congregation? And they need to be able to find at least five or six songs on there that they go, oh, yeah, we love that one. You know, our people will really connect with that one and, and it can change from one sort of type of church to another. No, totally. Is, oh, go ahead, Joe. Oh, sorry. Um, um, I think this is it, just to put in a plug for people that are tuned in on a podcast like this or leaning into other worship leaders, uh, worship teams, learning from each other and not just doing it alone. Cause I think some songs will hit the top 10 in the, on, you know, on the billboard list, but, but, but they don't always resonate with their congregations. 
And, and one of the biggest helps to me is to have people like, like Grant and Crystal and Jason that I can say, all right, uh, you know, here's the top four or five songs that are on, on the, you know, the hit list, but what's, what are you singing at your church that people are going, this, this is moving my heart. This, this, this is moving yep. the here, you know, and, and our church sings it well and engages with it. And, and to, um, so to look at the top 10, top 40, but also lean into each other and say, what, what's working in the hearts of your people? Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess I've just found over years and years of doing this, that those tend to match. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, what's, if something's done this, if something's CCLI top, five and it's been there for a year almost definitely it'll resonate with any church that is singing newham songs there are some yep. churches that don't sing any newer songs and i respect that right um but yeah that's there's an overlap there of what's resonating with a lot of hearts it's not just selling a lot it's actually resonating with hearts most of the time that's true but every once in a while i've led <laughs> one there you afterward you go Let's not do that. <laughs> that didn't work. That's great. Have you got? Yeah, interesting. Have you got an example of that? Can you remember a title? Well, I remember. I can't remember the tune of it, or but when "Shout to the Lord" was out, um, and I was at Willow, and there was some new version of "Shout to the Lord," and it had some minor chords in it, and some, you know, and every everybody in our team was like, "Oh, we have to do this. We have to. We'll make it. It'll make it fresh." And, and it was you know on the hit list and and we and we led that i led that and our church stood there and looked at me like what have you done with our <laughs> song you know yeah and, that's and that's I'm, messing up with their arrangement that they used to shout right? to the lord in a minor get key get out of it and uh and after you shout in a minor key i don't I think you that. can i think you <laughs> It's more anyway, of a moan. Yeah, it was just an example of sometimes, you know, there are some some songs that, that are great to listen to, but they're not always easy to sing. And I'm not disagreeing with Grant. I'm actually agreeing with him of going, what are the songs that are resonating? But um, but make sure they resonate, not just on the radio, but with your people. Well, how do you evaluate if a song is working or not? If it's a new song, how do you guys evaluate? Ooh. Oh, this works for this for this church. Or oh, it doesn't, and it can be the, the pastor says, "Don't ever sing that again." That's a um, great, but, that's a great metric right there. <laughs> but yes, take that metric. Um, but how do you evaluate as a pastor or as a team? Jason, I think you should take the first shot at saying how. How do you do that? Oh, because I've done this. Because I, I'm, I also show up like Grant. I show up at churches all the time and and lead worship, and I've just met that. And you can tell when it like when a song falls flat when it like people just kind of stand there and stare at you and go. That's not, I'm going to, and I've actually several times actually just kind of ended a song early where you're like, that didn't, that one didn't work. That didn't, they didn't, they didn't catch on to it. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, didn't work in this scenario. And then come to find out, you know, cause I didn't maybe that didn't find out ahead of time that I was actually teaching them the song. And, uh, cause I've done that many times where I thought it was a song that they knew and come to find out I was, I was actually teaching them and they were kind of standing there staring at me. But what about you guys? You guys have a, uh, a a way to kind of decide if there's a song that doesn't work in your church? Well, well I'm always listening for the voice of the congregation, um, not to sidetrack us, but this is why I mm -hmm. will resist using in-ear monitors, even with ambient mics, um, because I need to share the same vibrating air with the congregation. 
Um, I think this gets very, very hard if you've got in-ear monitors um, to actually have an immediate and direct sense of the congregation's voice. Um, and people will say, we've got room mics, like mics on the congregation, that'll tell you, and that certainly does help. Um, but yeah, but ambient mics lie to us. <laughs> you know, I want more congregation, turn them up. I want less congregation, turn them down. Take your in-ears out, have really low mixed uh, floor monitor wedges or no monitors. I'm doing a service Sunday morning. It's only a small congregation, but no monitors. I'll have an immediate sense of the voice of the congregation. Yep. And that's what I'm listening for. I can't measure the human heart. All the things that Joe mentioned about we want this engagement of people's hearts with their, with their God absolutely want that but i i can't measure that in in a way that helps me as a musician make better choices with my set list but i can measure the voice of the congregation and um i don't hear people reject songs um haven't for many years anyway uh i've i guess i've just i've thought very very long and hard about this there's certain things that make some songs more singable than others it's things like key choice. It's things like how wide the register of the song is. It's about how syncopated it is. It's ha- about uh, how solid the, the the rhythm section is telling us where the beat is or not. Um, it's about not embellishing the melody when I'm when I'm on a microphone, but singing it straight is how it goes. And if it's a new song, taking time to teach it to the people. Um, and uh, it's been absolutely freeing for me for the last ten years to go. This is not about me singing songs to a group of people. It's about me guiding their voice. And, um, yeah, so I, I can't yeah. <laughs> I can't honestly remember a congregation rejecting a song for the last yeah. 10 or 12 years. I, it used to happen, but it was usually because I chose the wrong key, because I embellished the melody, because our arrangement was too complicated and muso-serving. There's a bunch of reasons why a congregation will reject a song, and it's not always the theology of the song. Um, it's uh, it's usually vocal, instrumental, and technical choices, bad choices we have made. Well, that leads me well to the next question. What are some good when you when you're actually introducing a new song at your church? What are some good tips on kind of like on the actual introduction of the song, where it might be the first time you've played it at church? Um, how do you guys go about do that? Doing that? Do you just do it, or do you call attention to the fact that it's a new song? Um, like you know, do you guys have some thoughts there? Um, I do both and Anne, it just kind of depends if it's a, if it's a song that I really want them to access quickly, or if it's a song that I want to sing kind of, I want them to hear the words. I want them to really absorb it. And I don't mind them not, you know, singing the first time it's okay. So I guess it just kind of depends on the song, but I will tell them, you know, like the scripture that goes with it and say, Hey, we're going to learn a new song today about this, or I'll give a short testimony um, about the song and how it ties into our lives or, or some way I'll make that connection. And then that way they're going to want to invest and sing it with you if they can make a a connection with it. And so I'll kind of talk about it and then I'll say, let's sing the chorus together. And I'll start off with the chorus of the song because usually, you know, they kind of sit out a little bit more on the verses anyway yep. and so yeah so they i'll teach them the chorus i'll have them sing it a few times and then we'll actually go into the song but i will set it up with something that can help them make a connection yeah i love it what about you jason yeah i think uh leading people into why we're singing this song so sometimes there's songs that 
I know that our congregation is heard on Christian radio. Yep. It's they've been in rotation, and some of those songs, they're probably like I've gotten fifty requests going. Please, could we sing this song together as a congregation? So it, that song I might just go right into. Yep. Um, but other songs, uh, I'll usually say, Hey, this is what we're. This is what the song's about. This is a new song, and. I'll usually teach uh, whatever part that I think they're going to grab a hold of and really want to sing out first. Uh, it might be a chorus, it might be a bridge. Um, and so, and then kind of tie that in, get people singing, and then start the song and encourage people to sing along the way. Um, that's usually how I'll introduce it. But I usually say, like, I give songs three, three goes. Um, so I usually do a song back to back. So week one, week two, and then mm -hmm. I'll give it a rest for another a week or two and then i'll bring it back okay and when i bring it back i want to be able to hear voices like was it memorable was it singable was it has it stuck um yep. and that's that third week usually i'll give songs through three weeks unless the senior pastor or someone else is like don't ever sing that again yeah but if it's a song like that we said hey we believe our congregation can get behind this and this is something worth singing uh as a congregation in this moment uh then we'll give it three weeks uh, three rotations and then kind of talk about it and be like, Hey, what did we hear this week? Yeah. You know, and, and go from there. I want to reiterate something you said there about a song being a new song or not. I, I think it's important to kind of like clarify on, uh, on Sunday mornings. A lot of times we think it's a new song cause we've never done it from the stage before, but like there's going to be a chunk of the room that's going to know it already. If, uh, if a song has been around for a while or, uh, you may even be pulling a song back from years ago that you might feel like as a new song because we've never actually done it. But like classifying a new song, I think there's a, as a church, you kind of have to decide like, is a new song just released or is a new song something that's been around for a while and a, a, a big chunk of the room's going to know it. So it's not technically a new song, even though I have never done it from the stage before. And like those can kind of be two different, kind of be two different steps there. Um, what are some strategies you guys have for keeping songs for song rotation? So like you mentioned a minute ago, Jason, about like uh, playing a song three times, like a new song. What are some strategies you guys have? You guys as, a, as, a, as churches go like, you know, I only have 30 songs in our rotation or like, what are some things that you've, you found to really be successful? Uh, like how many songs do you have in your rotation? Kind of like you said, how often do you do new songs? Kind of talk that through a little bit. Uh, I know those are two very different questions, but kind of some overall strategies there. You guys have some thoughts? Yeah, I'll leave it in there. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. No, Jason was about to talk, so go, go for it. Dude. Oh, this is past the buck here. Anyone? Who's going? Want me to go? Go ahead. Um, let's see. From now, I forget the question. Uh, new <laughs> new songs. The first congregation. I usually cap it at about one a month. Okay. And so usually we're doing about 10 a year um, because I want to be able to evaluate, want to be able to, to move with our congregation. And so then from a list perspective, um, and then it also gives our musicians time to learn it as well. Yep. Um, and so that's usually, I know some churches do a lot more, some churches do less, but that's kind of, I want to give my congregation uh, the chance to learn the song before going on to something new. Um, and so I have three lists. So I have a core set. Um, the total core set probably has about 50 songs. But really the first set is these are active, you know, fresh songs that there might be 15 to 20 songs in that list. And they're getting played once, 
every six weeks. Um, they're in a normal rotation. Our congregation knows them, get, gets behind them. Then there's other songs that are probably past that a little bit that we can do three to four times a year. And our congregation knows them. And we bring them back three to four times a year and they stay kind of fresh. Uh, and the last one is the songs that we might do once or twice a year when we're going and we're planning to be like, oh, this would be great. Um, songs like in that would be like Revelation song. Um, we might do that once or twice a year at this point. We still, it's, it's still valuable. We still bring it back. Uh, and every time we do, it's powerful. Um, but we also know that probably at this point, if we did that once a month, it would, you know, it got to that point. Um, yep. But it still has power in those times that we bring it back. I remember one Easter, even a couple of years ago, we brought back Shouts of the Lord. My pastor was like, you are crazy. That song is so, I was like, wait, wait. And we wait. did it. And it was like, he looked at me like, yep, that's, that's where it's at. Like, that's Hey, awesome. you bring it back in that right moment. Um, so your repertoire, so, yeah. your repertoire list has like stages. I love, I love yeah. that. I love yep, that. It has stages. Yeah. Rather than just having like a list of 40, you have kind of like built out. Um, yeah. And then, so all of our volunteers, we kind of put the new songs and the songs in that heavy rotation uh, on a playlist where they can be kind of practicing, rehearsing, listening to those songs, because if they haven't played it, they're going to play it at some yeah. point. Um, and so they can be kind of learning and, and getting familiar with them um, as they go. And so, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What about you guys? Yeah, I, I, um, you know, I try to always think about uh, people in the congregation one of the main reasons why someone would be resistant from singing a song is because they're just not familiar with it. They don't know it. And I tend to tire of songs way faster than, what was the name of the guy yes. with the big belt buckle, Joe? Who's the, who's the guy, the truck driver with the big belt buckle? Then Quig. Quig. That's good. Quig. All right. So yeah. I've, He's not singing it in rehearsal and again in rehearsal and mm -hmm. in sound check and four services. He's singing it one time and, and often we tire of stuff. Faster. We will tire stuff before, like when we tire of things, that's probably when our congregation is starting to get behind it and really know it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I've actually got a, you know, this is a made up character. I think of a Joe the plumber. He's exactly like truck driver Quig, I think, you know, I'm trying to think of a Joe the plumber in any, any situation. What, how can I roll out a red carpet to Joe the plumber or Quig the truck driver and say, come on, man, sing? And one of the main reasons why he won't sing is because he feels like he doesn't know the song. So um, a lot of times people add songs to their repertoire that then get added to their set list because the musicians are tired of it. Mm. And that's not a good enough reason to drop a song from your repertoire and not a good enough reason to drop it from your set list. Yep. And I think us, especially us instrumentalists and singers and creative people, we love the new fresh one. And we also have, a, we, I think we suffer a little bit from FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. Yep. The church down the road's doing this one. We better do it. And these to me are not good enough reasons to add a song to your repertoire and song to your set list. I also believe that when my team and me personally are comfortable with a song, not glued to the chord chart, not having to read the lyrics, it's just flowing now. It's easier for me to just express it. People, people smell that in the congregation. They sense that comfort uh, with the song. So rather than me trying to suck joy from playing the freshest, newest, coolest song, I'm trying to get joy from the voice of the congregation. I'm trying to sense that joy, and it's not trying to. I do. Yep. <laughs> this is the higher joy that's possible from music. 
I chose a song that I'm tired of, but they sang it. And they and even Joe the Plumber sang it. This is this is wonderful. This is actually more joyful than playing songs that I like that are fresh for me. So um, yeah, I I actually arrange my repertoire. Um, I think about a sporting team. So I have my players that are on the field right now. And that's my center column of a three columns page. And I don't let that get that number get any more than 25. And to a lot of churches, that might feel like a small number. And that's the maximum. That's the maximum. I like to have a, a on the field players of maybe 20. You can't have amateur volunteer part-time musicians really flowing with more than about 20 songs at any given moment, you know. And you, and you want to have them rostered on feeling like, oh, I already know those four. You want Joe the Plumber going like, I know four of those five songs really well. So I rotate, rotate fewer songs more often. Now, the left-hand column on my page is songs that are being rested, like a sporting team. I've got a whole bunch of players. I've got like 70 players' songs that are being rested. And the other column is potential recruits, songs I've heard somewhere, songs that have shown up on CCLI, songs that I'm sort of assessing right now about whether they'll come into the on-the-field players. And um, I would only bring back one rested song at a time, maybe per month, and I'd only add one new song at a time, maybe per month. Yep. And if bringing, bringing back a rested song or bringing in a new song means I've gone over 25, then I've got to rest something else, take it off. Yeah, it's kind of a running, a running list. I love it, I love it. Crystal, you have some thoughts there? I mean, yes, everything everybody said. Yeah. Very, very true. And also just, you know, I think going back in the archives and throwing a hymn in is always, you know, it's just something that really speaks to our older congregation. And yep. so I always try to remember those in the back of my mind when I'm planning at least once a month, you know, um, the, the people who grew up on those and the people who, you know, people that don't go to church know amazing grace. They know how great they are. You know, they, they know these, um, hymns. So I always try to keep some hymns back in my mind when I'm, I'm planning a set. I love it. You guys, I love these conversations. They're good. They're good stuff. Uh, you learn so many, I learned so many things when we were taking notes, but one thing, um, I like to do as we kind of wrap up is ask a food question. Um, and, uh, today's question is important and, uh, there's a right and a wrong answer to this question and uh, you, which you may or may not realize. And, uh, it also will determine if, uh, everything you said is true or not, because, uh, <laughs> it's just important. So my question is, do you drink milk past the expiration date? So, so there, I, I need to know what, if you, if you the print a date on the milk carton, is that like a drop dead date or can you drink milk? Can you drink the milk past the date on the carton? Grant, what is your thought? No. No. Okay, I can trust you. Go ahead, Joe. What what is your thought? What is your I would say no as well because it's just not worth the risk. Not worth the risk. No, Crystal? Um, I just put it on my tacos like sour cream. That... <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, the thicker the better. It, turn it into yogurt. <laughs> no. Uh absolutely. I am okay. So I I actually have this OCD thing about expiration dates like 
I'm the person that when I'm in the store buying food, I don't even trust if it's like, I know that like deli meat, you know, can last a long time. And if we're like four or five days out, I'm like, nope, not even kind of (laughs) not even. Yeah. And so milk is a huge no for me. Um, if it's even on the day of, I'm still kind of turning like today is the day. I'm like, mm. <laughs> what about you, Jason? Are I would you... say the day of is the day that you stop drinking it. The day yeah, of. So okay. Now I have three kids, so it never makes it to the expiration date in my house. It's okay. usually way before that. But no, don't touch that. Do you guys know? Okay. I, this is why we're all friends because we all, uh, this is, we, we all have the same answer here. Mm-mm. Do you guys know? I'm talking about there are people that will go, oh, it's fine, like three, four days after. Like you do the sniff test. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't even, I don't, I don't even enough. like milk, let alone, I mean, I like yeah. milk, but I don't even, just like, oh, it's the, mm, it's exciting. That's, I had to ask the question. I had to, I had to see no, your guys' Milk should word. not be spicy. Milk should not. <laughs> <laughs> Quote of the day. Well, if you drink buttermilk, I mean, or <sighs> use it in recipes, I mean, it's soured milk. Like, I, but that, that's not me saying it's okay. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Joe, you have some milk thoughts? No, I, I have one thought that I wanted to throw in and, and it's not to be to sound spiritual or anything else, but one more thought that I think that we didn't really touch on, on this putting together a set list. Yeah. It sounds really simple, but I know that we would all agree to go before you begin, pray, mm. just get on your knees or, or get, get in a quiet place, Absolutely. quiet your heart, and say, Holy Spirit, where would you like to meet us mm-hmm. in, uh, on whatever service I'm planning? Mm-hmm. What do you want to say? What do you long to hear from us? What, where would you love to meet our congregation? And what would you love for us to sing to you? Mm-hmm. And I'm just telling you, after 40 years of leading worship, mm-hmm that God answers those prayers and he moves in those times and just make it your goal as a worship leader to go, you know what, there's lots to learn from this podcast, but one thing that I will try Mm -hmm. to do is not put my pen to paper until I've put my heart to prayer Mm -hmm. and ask God where he wants to meet us. Then take all that we've just said and, and, and apply it and put it and put it together, but begin by asking God what, he wants you to hear from him. That's all. Amen. Amen. I appreciate each one of you and, uh, and the voice that you bring to this conversation. Uh, you guys all, you guys all bring such a, such a great perspective into, into, into these chats. And I, uh, I love, I love getting to sit around here and, uh, and dialogue these things. So you guys are awesome. Uh, and we will see everybody. We'll see everybody next week.